Father, as we're as we're in this this month of Thanksgiving, Lord, and now down to this week where here in this country we celebrate the the incredible gift of our freedom, Lord, bought by those so many, many years ago, those seeking the freedom to do exactly what we're doing here this morning, to worship, un unfettered, unhindered, Lord, and the sacrifices that they made. Lord, let us be also reminded that in the complicated manner of the world in which we live, that didn't come without price for others. Our brothers and sisters of American heritage, Lord, and just the complex way that nations and countries are, are built and how they fall. Lord, we enjoy the fruits of that today, and others, not so much. But Lord, let us be reminded that all of that, all of those really are the affairs of men. Sometimes with your hand among them, and sometimes just by the force of our will. But Lord, they're just shadows. They're shadows of where our true thanks should lie. Lord, in words like that song, Jesus paid it all. That's where our thanks really belongs. It's the God of the heavens, King of kings, the one who set the stars in their place and ordains the affairs of men. Lord, in so many ways today, we're still just bumbling through, trying to find our way. But often the bumbling is because we don't look to you. So Lord, today I pray that as we give thanks, as many gather around tables later this week and celebrate with traditional meals, that our hearts collectively will be turned towards you above all else, and that it will be your name that will be on our lips of praise and thanksgiving. And Lord, that the church, truly your nation, all over the world, will be the nation that rises, the nation of God rising to share the truth of Jesus Christ with all those who still are lost. To be a beacon of love and charity, of truth, in a world that so desperately needs it. And Lord, may Christ Community Church and those who call her home do their part in that as well. Lord, seeking only you above all things. And in so doing, living a heart of thankfulness and thanksgiving to you.
so in that we do say thank you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm glad to see you here this morning. This Sunday and next Sunday are always a little bit uh, weird. I mean, I, just, I don't know how else to say it. People are traveling, uh, getting, some people are already getting ready for their Thanksgiving travel and some uh, uh, packing bags even today. And uh, unfortunately, I also know that uh, Jonathan, our, our uh, worship team member here that usually plays the drums for us, is home very sick today. I think he got the flu that's going around. And uh, I pray a blessing upon you that you not receive that. Amen. No flu. Um, now wash your hands. Amen. Our grace is not opposed to your effort, friends. Uh, we say that all the time, and that applies to germs as well. You can wash your hands and save yourself some trouble. Um, but uh, really do play, pray that blessing upon you, and, and we do pray for those who aren't able to be with us today, whether it's because they're traveling or planning, or maybe home uh, under the weather, uh, sick. Maybe they're living in a neighborhood that they just couldn't get out of this morning. Uh, our street in front of our house was a little sketchy, uh, but we made it, and we're here, so there you go, and you're here, and I'm glad that you are. Uh, continuing in our series uh, this morning about to be thankful, uh, a, a season of Thanksgiving, a month of Thanksgiving, and uh, if you read my article this past week, and we're having all kinds of gremlins in the system today, I don't know where that's coming from but we'll figure it out. Uh, we're going to get our new gear installed here in the next several weeks, and it's going to solve all of those problems. It'll be great. Yeah, right. Uh, I said, you know, I don't have any wood to knock on, so um, I'll just knock on the music stand. Yeah, right. But uh, if you read my, my article in the newsletter this week, you, you would have seen some of my frustration with trying to be thankful over the past several days. And for those who, who weren't able to read it or haven't seen it yet, um, last week, uh, we're not sure exactly which day, uh, somebody broke into only one of our sheds back here, just happened to be the shed that had the, the backpack leaf blower, the other leaf blowers, and all the weed eaters and some fuel, and they stole all of that stuff. Some of that was ours, and some of it belonged to Graceworks, and you know, you're kind of like, Ugh. you know, it's a bummer, right? You get, you get irritated, and, uh, and we came over, we repaired the locks, and uh, Tyler and Jonathan and I came over and we moved some cameras to some different places in our security system and hung a few more so that we could cover things a little bit better. And then, uh, I think it was Tuesday night, uh, Lloyd was here for elder meeting and, and they had left and he just kind of did his typical, you know, walk by, drive by, and he noticed that the lock was off the shed again. And so they'd come back in just a handful of days and been back in that shed. I'm not sure if they took anything. There wasn't really much else left in there that was really worth walking off with. But uh, then, like, the next day, Jason's, like, texting me. He says, what do you want on the sign for Thanksgiving? And I'd, I already knew what this week was going to be. And it was, uh, God wants us to be thankful for you. And it was like this, it was cool, it was a cool idea. To me, it was cool. You may not care at all, but um, to me, it was a cool idea because it, it allows me the opportunity to give you this message today that God had, had, had uh, impressed upon me about uh, your pastors and your staff and your leaders being thankful for you. But when it goes up on the sign, see, it says to the community that drives by, 
God wants us to be thankful for you, right? So it's, this, it's a, it's a two-pronged thing, and it was really cool. And I was, like, grinding my teeth because I was thinking, I want to be thankful for everybody but whoever that was. <laughs> you feeling me? Yeah, right? And so then I just kind of had to laugh and, and uh, cry a little bit, you know, because we had to – we spent money we didn't have because we had to get some new cables and some – you see the – where we're working out here on the end of the building and we're not quite finished yet and some materials that we had to put together and I was like, man. And it really was, it was irritating. And uh, for probably a couple of days this week, I was just grumpy. Uh, and it was really rooted in that. It was, and you know, I guess it's, a, it's, it's okay. I wasn't, you know, wishing curses on anyone or, uh, praying what they call imprecatory prayers, which is where you pray, you know. It's kind of like the, uh, my favorite uh, Irish blessing. It says, uh, Lord, may those that love us, love us. And may them that don't, Lord, may you turn their hearts. And if you can't turn their hearts, Lord, please turn their ankles. <laughs> so we'll know them by their limping. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. But I wasn't praying that way. Um, and, uh, and then I got down into, you know, really looking at the passage that I'd chosen and, and studying it, and I, and I felt better about it. And I really want to be that kind of person who, even in times like that, because um, it's happened, you know. Uh, in fact, the reason we got the security camera system in the first place is because Stephen's car was sitting right out here in broad daylight, and someone stole all the gas out of it. It's right, right here between the buildings, right? And, uh, and some folks uh, helped us buy the, the camera system that's out there. And, uh, and then, you know, over the years, we've had different stuff happen. And you've probably had stuff happen at your home. I was talking with someone this morning that talked about all the times that in their neighborhood, people had stolen their uh, tires and stuff out of their shed. And, and maybe you've had happen things around your house or your place of business. But I really do even though it's difficult sometimes, I want to be the kind of person, I want to be the kind of believer who stands up for what's right and believes in justice, but also is able to speak and even think, because the Bible says, uh, as, as a man thinketh, so is he. But I want to be one who my automatic thought process is to bless those who wound me or hurt me or who are hurting and act out in ways that hurt me. I still, I still wouldn't mind somebody being, being caught and made to face up to what they've done, right? That's, that's not an absence of justice. It's an absence of malice. And I want to be that person. I'm not always. I'm a lot better than I used to be, um, especially when I was younger. I mean, I, I, could, I could be... Uh, pretty vindictive, and my chosen tool was words, man, because I can beat somebody uh, to a pulp with my words. Uh, I, I would not suggest arguing with me, um, <laughs> uh, unless you're really up for the task, in which case it could be fun. I don't know. Um, that's the guy I used to be. And I realized along the way that I was really using that ability, my, my ability to communicate in negative ways. And so God began to work that out of me, but 
it speaks to a deeper need in me, and maybe it speaks to a deeper need in you, that, that I want to be transformed from the inside out into the kind of person whose automatic response to things that don't go my way is, in, is still to be thankful. You know, we talked about that last week. In all things give thanks. Nothing in the Bible, even though the Bible says that to us, nothing in the Bible suggests that we should assume that that's going to be easy. In fact, nothing in the Christian life is described to us. All of the things that we might be able to pull out of scriptures and out of the words of Christ in particular that tell us this is how things should be for those who are living in the kingdom of God. And he says this is how they act in the world. But if you're living in the kingdom of God, this is the way that you should behave. And it's not just forcing your behavior to be that way. But Jesus is saying if you're living in the kingdom of God and the spirit of God is living within you, this should become the way that you naturally are. Because you live as if you're a citizen of the kingdom of God. But nowhere in there with any of those things that say, and by the way, this is going to be really easy. In fact, it, it, it's not. Sometimes it's exceedingly difficult. And so I, I want to ask you to pray for me. Uh, not necessarily as your pastor. Just pray for me as a Christian believer. Someone who's out there bumbling along slugging it out just like you are, that God will continue to, to move in me in that way. And, uh, and I, think, I think it went pretty well this week because I just had about a period of 24 to 36 hours where I was grumpy, and then this other thing took over. And I started thinking about uh, whoever would do those kinds of things, they need, they need God's compassion and they need God's mercy, and they need to be transformed by him. And guess what? That's the same thing I needed. And so I don't want to be a, a person who wants to withhold that from anybody else, no matter what it is that they've done. And that kind of, we're going to come back around to that kind of towards the end of this uh, little message here. Uh, I don't think it's going to take long. I've got just a handful of points here, uh, literally, actually. Well, one, two, three. If I had six fingers, I would have a handful of points. Um, <laughs> My brother was born with six fingers, by the way. He had two thumbs. All right. First Thessalonians, that's where we're going to go. If you want to turn in your Bibles with me, you can. Of course, you might have your phone or some device like that, and that's good too. But First Thessalonians chapter 1, right in verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we have three of the early heroes of the church, those out there uh, planting the first ministries, the first missions of the Christian faith. Uh, along with some of the other disciples. And so they're, they're really serving in the role of pastor to many of these places and to uh, the, the church at Thessalonica. Today it's called Thessaloniki in Greece. It's still there. The place is still there. Uh, they're writing this letter to the church that has been planted there and is growing, and they're conveying these words of uh, comfort and encouragement and celebration by saying to those people that are in that church, 
we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And when I see these, uh, and there's several of the letters, if you look at the beginning of several of the letters, particularly that Paul has written, you'll see that same sentiment repeated uh, to different places where he says, uh, I'm, I'm praying for you. I think of you always. I give thanks to God for you all the time. And so I see that as a pastor, and I think that's a role that I should be playing as well. That's a role that you should expect your pastors to be engaged in on your behalf. And, uh, and we do. And uh, I want you to know that, that just as Paul says here, I say to you that I give thanks to God for you. Often. Uh, to say that you are constantly in my prayers would not be untrue. Um, and I, we've done a series on prayer, and we might return to that in uh, 2019. It might be one of the series that we, we return to because it's been a few years, but I think it's such a powerful series, and we talk about what really is prayer. Uh, what does it look like? Is it, you know, is it just one thing? Is there only one way to pray and, and things like that? Um, but it, a lot of it stemmed from, I don't know if Diane is here today, uh, but um, Diana Williams and I, have, uh, she's one of our elders. We've had numerous, numerous conversations about uh, prayer over the last 20 years that we've uh, been uh, ministering together uh, here. And she really helped me understand some things about the nature of communication with God. Uh, because I was kind of, I was really in the, the, the loop and in the paradigm that, that prayer was, you know, always getting on your knees, you know, putting your hands together and praying to God and saying a lot of stuff and then going on your way. And I had the, in the back of my head, I had that sort of intellectual understanding that prayer is supposed to be conversation. You know, there's a two-way street. But it took me a long time, and, and she influenced a lot of that about uh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. She said, She's kind of addressing that same thing. She said, what if, what if just the way that you think, what if you directed your thoughts towards the things of God and towards God and the people of God in every single thing that you do and like every breath that you're taking as much as you can? You know, I, I, I might not be perfect. I, I mean, you're aware that I'm not perfect. But, I, you know, if I strive for that, then at any moment during the day, in fact, the other day, I drove by Sorrento's restaurant over off of Fireweed, right? And as I drove by, I thought of the Gifteas family. And in my heart, I'm thinking about the conversation that Costa and I just had a few weeks ago about how uh, business is, is good, right? Things are going good, and, and they're working hard, and they're doing great things over there. And so I get the opportunity as I drive by there going to another appointment to think of the Gifteas family and lift them up and pray for them in my thoughts right then and there. And as I'm still driving around and doing my thing and, and I'm being thankful for them, I'm lifting them up in prayer. I'm also trying to hear if God is telling me anything about them or the circumstance that I should, should be uh, praying more about or thinking about. And it becomes this very fluid, constant communication. And so uh, I think this is what Paul means when he says that we lift you up constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 
there's not a day that goes by that your faces and your families and your circumstances and your struggles, uh, prayers that you've placed on the prayer tree that I've seen, confidential prayers that have been passed here to the pastors that we've prayed for, um, they're constantly in here, kind of just revolving around. And then there are intentional times, right, that I set aside where I'm praying for the church and I'm praying for you and I'm praying for those needs that have been expressed. But I think it's important for you to know that from your pastor, I want to say to you that I'm thankful for you. I love you so very much. Uh, I am constantly uh, encouraged, and you minister to me by the way that you give of your time and your talents, your efforts, your finances. You come here, and you're part of this, and, and we have people w uh, working through the praise team. And by the way, this morning uh, was our first uh, Sunday where we had... Um, uh, MG, uh, Gracie Stratton is back on the light board and she ran the light board this morning. She did some programming this last Tuesday and that was all her business this morning. And then um, uh, Anakin came in, Anakin Haas came in this morning and uh, set up the media for the worship team to have this morning. And uh, we had some problems. It was, not a it was not a simple thing this morning. This morning was one of those days where technically and otherwise it was like, ah! And you know what? They were, they were awesome. They were champs. And so um, we had that uh, happen this morning, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. And, and so I see all of the folks who come and, and bring their part of whatever it is they're doing to the ministry of Christ Community Church. Our children in there with Karen right now, the people that, that run our check-in system and welcome team, and, and just every little piece that weaves together and, and everyone kind of with their place. And I'm, I'm just, I'm filled with joy about that. And I want you to know that. And so I, I hope that you will see in me and, and that you'll realize, you'll recognize that I'm trying to model this same attitude, not because I feel like I have to, but because it really is my pleasure to do so. Uh, I have had an incredibly blessed life doing the work of God. It hasn't, like every, like I said with the Christian life, it hasn't been without its problems. It hasn't been without its heartaches. There was irritation this morning, not with any person. It was with inanimate objects that we wanted to force to bend to our will. And we did. Um, and, uh, and that's just how it is. And so uh, uh, that's okay too, because I believe that uh, life worth living is life that has struggle. Uh, life without struggle is... Um, boring. So, although sometimes it'd be nice to have a little less, just, you know, in a particular season, you might be like, okay, that's, a, that's enough. Thanks, I got it. All right, so, so there's that. Mentioning you constantly in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love, that's what I was just talking about, and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus. And so, ultimately, what am I being thankful for? What am I encouraging our staff, our other pastors, and even our elders to be thankful for as they think about Christ Community Church? I want them to be thankful for your work, for your labor that you, that you give out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ, for the steadfastness, it says here, of your hope in Jesus Christ, that, that you continue to be faithful 
even sometimes in the face of, of difficult circumstances and, and maybe even sometimes when the odds of staying steadfast are stacked against you, to remain so. And then he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, For we know, brothers, and I'll say sisters, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And I just want to give that to you as a word of encouragement as you are following after Christ. Uh, maybe uh, you're, you're brand new to it, or maybe you're even still just on the edge of it saying, well, I think I want to be a follower, but, but I'm, I'm not quite sure. But you're beginning to feel that pull towards the Lord Jesus Christ, or maybe you've got decades of experience and life in Christ uh, under your belt. Whatever the case, know that if you are being drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ, it is because he has chosen you. What? I mean, me? I mean, me, I can understand. But you? Right? That's how we feel sometimes, right? <laughs> Chosen. That of all the things that God could do in the great, vast universe that he's created and in his presence, which stretches on forever beyond anything that we can understand, he looks down to the people of earth and says, those are mine. Your, you are mine. God sought you out. That should inform the way in which we live. We say that uh, sometimes here. Uh, often I'll say it in a prayer now. Um, uh, go live like it's true. Or go live like you believe that. Because if you really believe that God chose you, how does that influence and impact the way in which you live? It should. If, if, if you were living A, B, C before you knew that God chose you, and now, now you know that God has actually sought you out and chosen you to be his child, it shouldn't just be A, B, C anymore. I don't know, it should be one, two, three, it's easy, right? Something. Pick your metaphor, I don't care. But the proof of a repentant heart and the proof of a life submitted to Christ is that it's not the same life as it was before. The scripture says, if anyone will be in Christ, they're what? A new creation can't be the same thing you were before. So be thankful that God sought you, chose you, and lived like it's true. And I love all of this, and I, I believe all of this about you. And then we get to this part, and this is where I want to give a caution or a challenge. Because I'm not sure for all of us if this next part is true. And I don't think it's because anyone's a bad person. 
part of it, I think, I was, uh, this past Monday, Tuesday, I was at the Alaska Baptist Convention Executive Board Meeting. That was my first board meeting as El Presidente. And so I led the meetings. It wasn't really that complicated. There's an agenda and you just follow it, you know. Um, I mean, obviously a trained monkey could do that. So, uh, so I did. Um, and it was a great time. Uh, lovely people. It was nice because this particular uh, collection of people, there were some new faces and some new personalities that, that for me sort of resonated with uh, what I've been sensing the last few years, which was that we might actually be able to turn this ship into some new directions and, and give it some viability for the future in Alaska and uh, Alaska missions and uh, Alaska church growth and things like that. And so it was exciting in that way, but I was sitting chatting with a pastor from Soldatna named Al Weeks. It was the first time we'd had a chance to meet in person. And we were talking about this, this next category, this next uh, idea that Paul presents in the writing here, and it's, and it's this, that much of the way that we've structured church, particularly in the late 80s through about 2001 or two, created an environment in which the true members of the church, you, people like you, began to see people like me, pastors, communicators, church leaders, as the professional evangelists to share the gospel. And so they would bring people to church. And, and as a pastor, I'm saying, I'm guilty of this. I helped do this. And I wish I could unring the bell. But we created an environment in which we encouraged people to bring their lost friends and I would tell them the gospel. And it got to the point to where the people out here stopped sharing the gospel. They, they, they were great at sharing invitations to church where someone else would give the gospel and many people came to Christ that way. I can look back over my history of, of doing uh, musicals and youth events and evangelism conferences and Sunday teachings where we'd have the, the call down front invitation after giving an evangelistic message and lots of people came to Christ. However, as a whole, the church, and I don't mean Christ, I mean the church there's thousands of people sitting in church all over town today who don't actively ever share the gospel. See, we replaced the natural order of things, which we're going to see here in this scripture, with something that had value. It was effective to a degree but because we, pastors, leaders, weren't vigilant, we allowed it to, to change the entire structure and paradigm of what church was doing. To where I fear, and this was what the other pastor and I were discussing, I fear that we have, I don't know how many Christians across the country today that are in churches that believe in Jesus and they're, they're saved and they're living their lives who 
never, ever actually told someone else how to become a Christian, how to be saved. And that's a great tragedy for our world because I, as fabulous as a communicator as I can be, will never be as effective among the people that you care and love and know and encounter as you will or as you could be because there's, there's not enough hours in the day, right? And if we can't get them here, I mean, if we could get everybody here, I could give a, a really powerful evangelistic message and often, sometimes we do, right? And we'll, we'll have a, an open invitation here and sometimes people come to Christ. But even in, you know, even that thing, that, that come down front invitation thing, that's only about 100 years old. Did you know that? Eh, a little bit more than that now, maybe 140. Didn't exist really before that. Because Farmer Joe, out in his fields with Farmer Paul, Joe has met Jesus, and he'd make friends with Paul, and he'd tell him about Jesus. And then they'd end up at church together. But Paul didn't come to the church to get saved. He was already saved when he got there. It was very rare even 30 years ago in the church setting when that come down front invitation was given every Sunday, like the churches where I grew up, and there's nothing wrong with it. It was very rare that anyone actually came down front to speak to the pastor and say, I want to become a Christian, who hadn't actually already become a Christian because Mike had shared the gospel with them and they prayed, and he received Christ. And then he brought him to church so he could share it with everybody else. But somewhere along the way, we, we transposed this thing. And ministers and staff and youth pastors and evangelists became professional gospel sharers. And we've taken the, the, the power out of the people of the church. And I want us to return to that. And Paul talks about it right here. So here's what he says in verse 6. You became imitators of us and the Lord. Now, believe me, that phrase right there scares me to death. There's other places where Paul actually says, be therefore imitators of me. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. I would, I, listen, I would be very um, judicious in your imitation of me. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would just be cautious, all right? That's all I'm saying. So, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. I like that. I want to imitate the Lord. You imitate the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you, the church, became an example to all of the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. I don't know how to say that. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in these places, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything.
I want that for you. I want that for Christ Community Church. I want that for all of the churches that we're, we're sisters with. That Christ would be so prominent in your life and my life that, that there would be no need for someone to come here to get saved. That, man, they're getting saved in the aisle at cars, across your dinner table. You know, out at the, the movies, show, taking a hike to Rabbit Lake, fly fishing down on the Kenai. the cubicle next to you, down the line in the kitchen, in the, in the homeschool groups that you hang out with, the neighbor who's shoveling his, well, not right now, but shoveling his walk across the street from yours. And that ultimately they come here because then we all get to celebrate the great work that Jesus has done and that, that you were part of that. I hope in the new year to, to offer a couple of um, short studies on personal evangelism, how to share your faith authentically in the world around you, uh, not just a formula, but, but how to be a person who naturally shares their faith. And, and again, like with everything else I've said about the Christian life, it, it doesn't mean it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. It's, it, it, it's intimidating, right? We fear rejection. And you'll have some of those folks say, well, just remember, they're not rejecting you. They're, re they're rejecting Jesus. Let me tell you, sometimes they're rejecting you. Sometimes it's your family, right, that rejects you because you want to live for Christ. Sometimes it's um, friends that you've had forever, but the life that you lived with those friends is not a life that's compatible with life in Jesus Christ, and they choose the life instead of you. I know. I've been there. Jason will tell the story of... Um, Sometimes people reject Christ because of you. And you have to come to, to grips with that. At a time when he and I were both uh, young believers and, and man, we had the world by the tail and we knew everything and sometimes we just turned people off because we were jerks. We can't let that deter us from becoming the people God wants us to be, the kind of people that Paul describes in the Thessalonians here, in the Thessalonian church. Those whose lives are so preeminent with the presence of Christ that, that no one else needs to say anything. People just know, wow, those are Jesus people. And not in a weird way, not in a bad way, but in a way that lifts Christ up and he honors his promise that he says that if he'll be lifted up, he'll draw people, he'll draw people. The problem I think we have today in our world and in our churches is 
so many of us are not lifting him up. And so I want to leave you with this challenge today. If God is willing to utilize you, your life, your opportunities, your friendships, your relationships, your, your chance encounters along the street, if he's willing to use you to lift him up and to share about who Jesus is and why people need him, are you willing to serve him the way that these people did? to sound forth, to speak out, to help, to love, to assist. Only you can wrestle that out. I mean, in some ways, it's like I want to work my way out of a job. You guys know that if you come by here during the week, I'm not here, right? Because there's no lost people in here. I, I'm out in the community. I'm, I'm building relationships. I'm, I'm trying to knit together with other organizations that are not necessarily like-minded about Jesus, but they're like-minded about other things. In fact, I kind of want to not be so connected to organizations and people that are, that are totally sold out with the same ideas about Jesus that I have because... They're already convinced, and they got their own work to be doing. I'm going to connect with people who aren't quite sure about this Jesus thing. Because I hope that in the, the time that we get to communicate, I will learn about their life and who they are, and I'll have the opportunity to share something incredibly important about my life with them. And I, I have the luxury of that because it's my job to do that. I love it. I, man, I, I pinch myself all the time. This is, I get to do it 25 years. I've been in full-time ministry. God's taken care of us in, in enormous ways in our family. But I get to do this? But in those times, I've also worked nine to five jobs just like you, you do. Uh, I've worked... 12-hour-a-day jobs just like you do. I'm looking at some of you, and I'm not going to point you out. I know that some of you are like, you barely get a sliver to sleep. I get it. And it's hard to be that person. But I think if you take, if you take the concept that every moment of your life can be available to God to use, doesn't mean that he'll show up in every moment and give, and give you incredible opportunities to share the gospel. But it does mean if you'll make every moment available, he will show up. And the challenge and the question becomes, will you do anything about it? Or will you hope that someone else will? So I want you to take that challenge in and I want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. We're going to revisit it uh, here after the first of the year. That doesn't mean you have to wait until after the first of the year. You could, get, you could, you could just say, yep, I'm in. And ask God to open opportunities, and if you need help or you need instruction, um, I can help you with some resources. We can have conversations. I can point you to resources you can find online uh, so that you're not feeling like you're just out in the middle of left field.
But if nothing else, if all else fails, let me just say this. If you take on the challenge and you say, yes, I want to be that person. I'm going to make every moment available. And if God raises the opportunity, I'm going to try and, and jump on it. I'm going to try and take, you know, seize the moment. If all else fails, tell your story of how it was without Jesus and now how it is with Jesus. Because nobody can argue with that. It's your story. And we can go from there. Would you stand for closing prayer? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause the light of his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. And may he also, as we will be willing, as we will be obedient, May he open opportunities for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ with a lost world that's all around us. That many, many may come to know Christ and be rescued from a life of sin and an eternity apart from God. In Jesus' name.